the baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Herman and Jim Chet Chesco. It's Wednesday, August 7th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Chet, there's a lot to talk about with the Phillies at the two-thirds season mark and in a wild-card spot. You had a chance to go to Eagles practice Sunday and the Eagles open preseason tomorrow night, and the first depth chart is out. That's interesting. And I've got a great story to share about my trip to the National in Chicago. Yeah, so plenty to talk about, clearly, Bill. You mentioned the Eagles. I know it's the preseason game tomorrow night, and the starters likely won't be very, uh, won't be playing much at all. Uh, but I'm still looking forward to it because it gets us that much closer to the regular season, which for the Eagles, which uh, will be starting exactly one month from tomorrow, September 8th. So can't wait for that. The preseason, eh, you know, but we'll see. Well, you know I'm not a big preseason fan, but uh... – it's going to be good to get football started. It just it just doesn't have the mood right yet, obviously, when you're in early August. It's sounding like Wentz is not going to play. Now, Doug would not say that officially yesterday, but I would think that if Wentz were going to play, they would have announced it by now. So I'm doubting that he'll play. But I do want to see you know some of the other guys, uh, Miles Sanders. Supposedly Sproles will play a little bit, so we'll see if Sproles still has something left in the tank. And who knows who else will be playing. We still have some injuries on the defensive side of the ball, so those guys won't be playing. But I'll be watching, Bill. Well, we'll dig into that depth chart a little bit later on today because there are a couple things that uh, uh, might be a little bit interesting. But these injured linebackers are certainly a problem. Linebackers have been a problem here for the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I mean, linebackers aren't as important as they used to be. They only play two at a time now much of the time. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to see so many guys out. And we still don't know what's going on with Derek Barnett, how healthy he is. They say he'll be ready to go, certainly by the season opener, but we haven't really heard a whole lot about what's going on with Derek Barnett. And, you know, Jalen Mills is hurt, and uh, Craven LeBlanc is hurt and is going to be out for a little while. So injuries are a concern, and they haven't even played a preseason game yet. Yeah, that's something. And uh, around the league, same thing around the league. And, uh Boy, it's it's a battle of attrition, and it starts day one. Yep, and uh, you mentioned the National. I can't wait to hear a story about that. Uh, I know you saw some celebrities, some sports celebrities out there, and it amazes me people are spending big money on a lot of things at these collectible shows, Bill. But oh, I guess they sure are, it, but, but I'll tell you what, Jet, I have a classic story for you, classic that I have told to. no one except for my wife. Wow. So, I've saved this. There's been no hints out there, no nothing. So uh, I'm ready to share that. But, hey, Chet, I wanted to say we got a lot to talk about with the Phillies, and uh, we've got a man on the inside to give us the story, and Inquire.com Phillies columnist Bob Brookover is going to join us here just shortly. But I did want to mention to you, Chet, I'm sure we may get to this with Bob or we may not. Uh, you know, the Phillies leave, our, leave Arizona um, – 
and go over to San Francisco. And that Thursday game, it looks like, is Nola Baumgartner, and it's a YouTube game, I believe, again. Another YouTube game, yeah. And uh, the one that I saw a couple of weeks ago, they did a pretty good job with it, so hopefully that will be the case again. Let's bring our guest on, Bill, and see what he has to say. Let's, let's welcome Bob Brookover back to Philly Press Box Radio. Bob, good to see you. Hey, guys, how's it going? Fantastic. Hey, Bob, it's Chet. You also have Bill with us. Uh, thanks for joining us again. And uh, let's get right to it. Uh, as you'd expect, we'd have a, we have a slew of questions for you, Bob. First off, what was your take on the Michael Franco demotion on Sunday? Why would they prefer to have Brad Miller and or Sean Rodriguez rather than Franco? Um, well, the, their explanation was that Franco basically does not profile as a bench player at all. Um, he he doesn't hit left-handers. That's that's very true, um, you know. And he doesn't play multiple positions as Sean Rodriguez plays can play in the outfield and in most infield spots. Uh, Miller's a little more flexible, has a little more positional flexibility, and uh, you know I think and and well on the other part and actually the bigger part of it was they have an overload of outfielders right now. And that means they're going to have to move Scott Kingery into the infield and third base being the natural position with, with Cesar Hernandez being at second. Uh, you know, so that was, that was their reasoning behind it. it. You know, as I wrote in my column, is they kind of made Michael Franco the scapegoat for a lot of things that ail them. It's yep. hard to defend Franco because he's got, doesn't have great numbers by any means. But, you know, he was the only one bench for not hustling. Now he's with the team failing to hit in clutch situation. He's the guy that gets sent down. Uh, life isn't fair, but that's what, what Franco is. And, you know, frankly, he's going to be he, – he, he's not, he's not going to be back next season. If he's back, I'd be more shocked than anything I've been shocked about this team in a long time. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, one other thing from the weekend I want to touch on with you. Uh, going back to last Friday night's crazy 15-inning loss to the White Sox, and yes, I stayed up for it. I know the story with each guy, but was Gabe wrong to take Zach Eflin out of the game after he pitched the 12th and 13th, and was he wrong to not use Ranger Suarez under the circumstances, even though he had pitched a couple of innings the day before? Don't you suck it up in a situation like that in an extra inning game and you know say, hey, coach, put me in? Well, I mean, there's in all kinds of controversy since then, you know, Ephraim said after the game that he told him he was sore, but he didn't tell him that he couldn't go another inning. So, you know, and, and Kapler's version is, you know, well, when he tells me I'm sore, I'm not going to put him in jeopardy. You know, mm-hmm. the, the counter argument to that is, well, you put your, you, you know, you put one of your five starters into left field, which puts him <laughs> in an unusual position. Aren't you putting him in jeopardy? Uh, the the whole thing was a mess, and then there's even a you know the, the next layer to it is you got a guy in your outfield who was a really good Division One college pitcher in Adam Hazley, and you don't use him either. You know, so there's there's so many different angles to that whole whole fiasco. Uh, bottom line was the Phillies didn't win a game they needed to win. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bob, you know, if you look at last year's team as you sat there and you had basically a team that they it appeared they were trying to build around Franco and Odubel Herrera, and, and now they're gone and probably never coming back. 
And all that's really left from last year is, is Hernandez and, and a rookie, Kingry, who was struggling. Um, did they, they just blew this thing up because the, the last leadership had it all wrong? Or what happened? I mean, it's a complete flip over. Well, you got Hoskins still left from that group, too. Yeah, Hoskins, um, right. Um, you know, you knew they were going to – I mean, they had targeted 2019 as a big free agent year for a long time. So you knew that was going to happen in advance, that they were going to go hard after Machado and, and Harper, and they get end up getting Harper. Um, in the meantime, you know, a, a, a deal develops with JT Vermuto, and I would make that deal a thousand times over again, and even, you know – even though Jorge Flowers played okay in Miami and Sixto Sanchez has a chance to come back and haunt you, um, you know, I, I'd be surprised if Jorge Flowers was ever the, the catcher, and by catcher I mean defensive catcher, that Ramuto is because uh, he's so good. Um, you know, I, has he been a little disappointing at the plate? A little bit, yeah, but he's still, I still, he's still one of the top three or four catchers in baseball. I, for sure. Um, so you, you make that deal. You know, did they blow it up? I don't think they blew it up. I think they saw opportunity. And then you have the, the Crawford deal where, you know, you're able to get Gene Secor for him. So you, you got to make that deal in my estimation too. Um, and they were able to do that because I think they had seen that, you know, the core that they thought might come through wasn't really coming through. They had reached a point where they were ready to spend money. The owner, in particular, was ready to stupid money. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't think. I don't think any of that money was really spent stupidly on position players, even though the position players have been disappointing. Uh, was it spent stupidly on on pitching? You know, I I don't know about you guys, but I when they got David Robertson, I thought it was a good move, and he'd been healthy his whole career. Yeah. Um, it, that didn't work out. Now you got Tommy Hunter and Pat Neshek, which was contracts from the year before. That you know, there they were spending on guys to me that were you know not bona fide star relievers, and they've broken down and they're going to be gone. They're, they'll be out of the equation after this year, and they got they still have to build a bullpen. Uh, and they ended up because of all those veteran relievers uh, went down. They they've had to rely a lot on young guys. And that hasn't worked out so great. And then the rotation hasn't worked out so well either. That you know, uh, to me, that's still therein lies the biggest mistake of the the off season is that they they counted too much on Eflin, uh, Pavetta, and Velasquez to get this rotation through. That remains the big mistake, and, is, and it remains the biggest thing that needs to be corrected in the off season. Yeah, regardless of what happens over the next seven or eight weeks, you know, maybe they will sneak into the postseason. They have some things to do in the offseason, and i got to think starting pitching is the top priority. Now, I looked at the free agent pitching crop this winter. It looks like it's going to include Garrett Cole from the Astros, Zach Wheeler from the Mets, Bumgarner, uh, the Twins' Kyle Gibson, and, oh, yeah, that Cole Hamels guy from the Cubs, those guys and others. So, Bob, any advice for Matt Klintak? Um, you know, I don't know if the advice is for Matt Klintak or for John Middleton. Um, I just think that this team is at a point of no return in terms of spending, and I'd be shocked if if I'd I'd, I'd be surprised if uh, they didn't. 
I'd be shocked if they didn't get at least one of these guys, one of those guys you mentioned, you know, one of the top guys. And I'd be surprised, actually, if they didn't get two, because I think they're going to go hard after this free agent pitching market the way they went after Harper and Machado this offseason. Uh, I, I think you're going to see the same thing in the pitching department this season. And, the other, you know, the thing I wouldn't be surprised by, you know, the Phillies have never been a team. Under David Montgomery, they were never a team that wanted to go over the, the, the payroll threshold. Um, I'm not sure that, that that policy still exists under John Middleton. I, I think that under the right circumstances, this team would even go over the payroll threshold to get the things done that they're going to need to get done in the offseason to be considered, uh, you know, one of the, to be considered having one of the best rotations in baseball. And, it, you know, and, it's, and it's, it, it needs to be done. You know, if you can do it through a trade, great. But I don't know if it's going to be possible to do it through a trade. But it, it, if you do get a Cole who, you know, it seems like – and Cole, I mean the Astros Cole, not Cole Hamill. Right. Um, if, if you do get him, it seems like maybe that – that door open when the Astros go and get Granky, who they have control of, you know, to, and maybe they're, they're thinking long-term, Hey, we, if we lose him, we can, we can now afford to lose him. Um, so, you know, the Phillies are going to be go hard after these guys. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Well, Bob, talking about pitching, Jake Garrietta, he, he's an enigma to me. I can't figure out what, what he does. He, he, he just seems like he's, often inconsistent, the whole throwing his teammates under the bus when things don't go his way. Uh, you know, he's not that number two starter, or I don't think he's that number two starter that they certainly thought they were getting, even though he does have eight wins. Uh, what do you think about Arietta? Has he been an underachiever to you? <laughs> he's um, – Enigma is probably a good word for him. Um, you know – He's been frustrating many times, but at the moment you have to kind of admire what he's doing. I mean, this is a guy who has his money. So, and he has a, you know, they've found a bone chip on his elbow. Um, so a bone spur on his elbow and it hurts him and it limits what he can do. And, but there are some guys I think who would have just said, you know what? I got my money. Why do I want to risk this anymore? Uh, I'm going to shut down and not pitch anymore this season. This guy has decided to keep pitching. Yes, he can only pitch five innings in this day and age. Five, five, the, the new quality start is five innings and, and three, three, three earned runs or fewer, uh, the way things have gone in baseball. Um, you know, so he has kept doing that, and he's kept them in, since, he, since they discovered that bone spur. He's kept them in every game he has pitched, including last night's again. And he said he wanted to pitch another inning last night. Um, has he been frustrating at times? He's he certainly not lived up to the the, the, the money he's being paid. Uh, and he hasn't, as you pointed out, he hasn't been a second starter. But he still had value to this team because they, this team is lacking in the pitching department. Uh, and and I do admire a little bit that he's continued to pitch and, and tried to help this team and, at a time when he could have shut it down. Yep. Well, pitching is a key, of course, but as you mentioned earlier, Bob, the offense hasn't produced like we thought it would. 
They're only averaging 4.8 runs a game. We all thought it would be much higher than that this year. And you've seen the numbers lately. Two for 17 last night with runners in scoring position. 0 for 10 their last 10 times up with the bases loaded. Three for their last 32 with the bases loaded since July 1st. Are these guys just pressing, or what's going on? You know, uh, it, it's a great mystery. And I, after I heard that three for thirty, I think it's three for thirty-three. Actually, maybe it's three for thirty. Whatever, <laughs> it, it's awful. Whatever it is, it's bad. It, we know it's that. Three for, it, it's it's three for awful. But then I went and looked at their season bases average with bases loaded, and this was before last night. But it, they're like sixth in baseball, so they were like had to be one of the best in baseball back for most of the for most of the first three months of the season, and then they just you know fall off the planet in terms of producing in those situations um you know i don't i don't know gabe gabe capper was i'm not in i'm not in arizona uh but i you know i i do know some things he's trying to work with in terms of getting them to relax in those situations and feeling you know nothing there's nothing earth shattering about this and feeling like the pitcher is the guy who's under pressure not you at the plate um but you know it's it's unexplainable what has happened uh, to this team in clutch situations. And I, I did think this offense would be a, a lot better than it is. Even, you know, even Andrew McCutcheon goes down, you know, they still have good professional hitters here. Getting Corey Dickerson, he's a professional hitter. Um, you know, and they've added guys who look like professional hitters. You know, Adam Hazy looks like a professional hitter in the little time we've seen him. Uh, Kingery's certainly having a much better year than last year. Um, you know, the big, the big three guys, Lamuto, Hoskins, and Harper, have not produced the way uh, I think everybody thought they would. I think they all thought, we all thought they were going to take it together. They would take a – maybe have career years, all of them, and that hasn't happened. In fact, they've, none of them have come close to that. Um, but what the explanation is, I don't know, but they – it needs to be fixed next year before they come back. Well, you mentioned Andrew McCutcheon, and that's exactly who I was going to ask you about. How how big a loss was McCutcheon? Him and him and Herrera's situation happened almost at the same time, and it almost seemed like the tailspin started right at that same time as well. I mean, people don't want to hear it. Herrera was probably a loss for this team too, even though he was in the midst of a miserable season. Um, He's such an unpredictable guy who, you know, he he's capable of having a month where he hits 360 and tears it up for a month, but he's, you know, he's so inconsistent. But that month hadn't come, and maybe it was about to come, who knows, before that happened. So, you know, they, they and he, he's certainly a, a center fielder who can go get the ball. Um, so I think they miss him some. Obviously, they miss McCutcheon a lot more because they haven't been able to find a consistent leadoff hitter all that said, uh, Scott Lauber from one of my uh, colleagues, you know, wrote the other day that they've basically hit at the same clip and scored at the same average as they have since McCutcheon's been gone. You know, so you know, yes, they miss him, and there's a lot of things they do miss about him, um, but that's that alone does not explain what has happened to this offense. Because, I mean, if you remember, and, and they kind of went into a bad streak after he got here. But not because of him, because Jay Bruce ripped the ball apart for his first his first six weeks in Philadelphia. He was hitting home runs at an unbelievable pace. So I mean, exactly what is missing, I don't know. But there's something just not right about this offense. 
So, Bob, I know they're right there in the wild card hunt. They're 59 and 54. They currently hold the second wild card spot. But what do you think are their chances of getting one of those spots? And does it even matter? I mean, how many wins do you think it will take to grab a wild card spot, first of all? Yeah, well, first of all, it does, it, it does matter um, because, you know, you're, you're, this is still a young team uh, trying to find its way. And I think, you know, to get into the postseason, regardless of how that is, is a good experience and a good building block for for future seasons to be able to say, hey, hey, we were in the postseason. I think that's an important thing for this team. Um you know, a lot of years it will take 89 to 90 wins, even with the second wild card being added a few years ago, to, to get into that wild card spot. Maybe 84 or 85 does it this year. You know, it could could be as low as that number. Um, you know, that's the the thing about this wild. You know, what are their chances? Their chances are okay, I think, for the very reason that if you look at all the teams that are clustered together in this wild card race. They're all flawed. The Mets are very hot right now, one twelve out of 13. Yeah. And maybe they can keep that up. But there's a lot of things, you know, you, you obviously like their rotation now. Uh, and I, they, they had some, they obviously have some guys offensively uh, that you do like, Alonzo, McNeil. They, they have some good offensive players. Maybe they can keep it up. But they're not going to keep winning 12 out of 13. And they've, they've kind of uh, fed on some bad teams lately, which is good for them. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, but all these teams, the Cardinals are flawed. The Brewers, you know, I, I told somebody the other day, can, can you believe it? there's a worse pitching staff in this wild card race than the Phillies and the Brewers? And that's not possible. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're flawed. The Phillies are flawed. The Nats are flawed. I mean, the, the Nats are the most talented of all the teams, but they're flawed. You know, so some team that's not that has lots of issues, and I'm sure in every city they're saying. Their fans are saying, what is wrong with this team? Well, one of those teams is going to be in the postseason. Mm. Well, Bob, (laughs) Chet and I had this conversation last week. I'll run it by you. Uh, Kapler safe, Clintech safe. You see any changes in the offseason? I know the fans are sure chirping about it. Uh, We both agreed that they're safe. What do you think? They're safe through the season. Um, You know, if – if it was right around this date last year that the the bottom fell out and the Phillies went from, I don't know, 10, 11 games over 500 to a below 500 team at the end of the season. If something like that were to happen, um, I, I don't think anybody's safe at that point um, because that's not supposed to happen. Uh, even though the Phillies have a lot of problems, you know, they, they should be – if they finish under 500, this extremely disappointing season. It's a disappointing season if they don't make the postseason, in my in my estimation. And if they don't, I don't think anybody can absolutely say they're safe. Um, you know, and usually when these things happen, the manager is the first to go, and then after the manager goes, the general manager is is uh, on on the hot seat at that point. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know what John Middleton's thinking. I've talked to some people who talked to John Middleton, and I do know he's not happy, <laughs> and, and nor should he be, and nor should he be. Right. 
One last thing, Bob. You wrote a terrific piece a few weeks back about your old pal Jason Stark. Really a great summary of Jason's time in Philly at the Inquirer and what he's done in recent years. And now, of course, he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame as this year's J.G. Taylor Spink Award honoree. So, again, I want to say that was a great column. And, you know, tell me about Jason. Wow, Jason, he's a, a really unique baseball writer um, who – tries to find the the things that are not necessarily obvious. He, you know, he digs into the unusual. <laughs> As he told me, one of his favorite stories is interviewing the Frenchman who lived uh, in an apartment above Wrigley Field after Sammy Sosa hit a ball through his window. You know, he has a billion stories like that. Um, and, it, you know, he just always looked at baseball in a different way and always tried to, to find the most uh, lighthearted way. Of, of, of viewing the game, and he developed the cast of characters in his weekend review. I mean, that, that story was a long story that I wrote. We had about a two-and-a-half-hour lunch in Newtown, Pennsylvania, where he lives. Um, we went to a restaurant and had a two-and-a-half-hour lunch. And believe me when I tell you, there's, there was a lot that didn't get into that story that I wish I could have gotten <laughs> into the story because it was a really fun two-and-a-half hours talking to him. Awesome. Well, hey, Bob, we uh, certainly appreciate you taking time to join us tonight. Always good stuff. And uh, hopefully the Phils can get this thing right and make a playoff run. That'll be fun, and I'll come back on then. All right. Sounds Sounds good. good. Appreciate it, Bob. All right. Take care. Let's take a break so I can tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I was actually over there last Thursday, spent about three hours there with some friends, and had a great time, as usual. They've got lots of things on the schedule in addition to the usual awesome variety of food and drink and various specials, and always 24 beers on tap. They have trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night, and next Thursday the 15th is karaoke night. And don't forget, Philly Press Box Radio will be in the house on Sunday the 25th at 2 p.m. Come say hi as Bill, Fred, and I do a show live at the Rover with a special guest joining us. Stay tuned for details. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and you can get more info on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. And by the way, Bill, this song was number one this week in 1981. Holy cow. That was 1981, huh? Yeah, we're getting old, pal. Oh, wow. Jeez, it seems like it should have been like last year or something. <laughs> we are getting old. No kidding. Rick Wait, Prince Ted, season. football season is here. You got to attend the only open practice of preseason Sunday. First of all, how was the crowd? How was the environment? And did you even watch the, the practice or just hang out? <laughs> Wow, where do I start? All right, first of all, poor planning on my part as I ended up having to go alone, so that was kind of weird, but the crowd was great. They estimated it at 40,000 or even slightly above, and I believe that's true because the entire lower bowl of the link was filled, and there was also a fair amount of folks in the club-level seats and even some in the upper deck for some reason, but in addition to those in the seats, there were thousands of people walking around the concourse and other areas where they had some former Eagles signing autographs Lots of photo ops, including some cool green screen photo thingies, which I, of course, took advantage of. You probably saw some of those on Facebook and various <laughs> other activities. Uh, regarding practice, well, it was really a dumbed-down practice, as you'd expect. Very, very vanilla. They weren't going to show off any trick plays. Yeah, I did watch some of it. 
some of the biggest rounds of applause, though, went out to, of course, Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, the back-in-the-fold Brandon Graham, and, of course, Deshaun Jackson. And you could tell that he was really into it, too. He was just really happy to be back at the link as an Eagle. And as the reports have indicated, it is obvious, Bill, that at age 32, Deshaun has not lost a step. Yeah, I I actually got to watch um, the practice on TV. Uh, when I got back from Chicago, uh, they were playing it again with uh, Michael Barkan yeah. and uh, Barrett Brooks and all that. So I, I did get to watch a little bit of it. And, uh, you know, my takeaway certainly was the Jackson-Wentz relationship. It sure looks good right now. It does, yeah. They connected on a few passes in the seven-on-sevens that they were doing and that brought some of the biggest cheers in the crowd when he beat, I guess it was Rasul Douglas on the one for a nice little, uh, you know, mid 40 yard bomb or whatever. And another one where he uh, went out and then cut back uh, to catch the pass. Uh, he was looking real good and the fans appreciated it. And uh, yeah, Wentz looked pretty good from what you could tell in these, you know, limited practice situations. So as you saw on TV, they didn't show a whole lot of the practice. It was more just, Barkan and Ray and Barrett Brooks talking about stuff going on because there wasn't a whole lot happening of interest down in the field, to be honest. All right. Well, hey, uh, I mentioned earlier about the depth chart and uh, a couple things I thought were interesting. If you look at it, it's on, uh, they have it actually on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, website as well as the Eagles website. But the interesting thing, one of the interesting things is Jordan Howard as the number one running back. Miles Sanders and Wendell Smallwood listed as the two. Darren Sproles and Josh Adams as the three. And Corey Clement all the way down the bottom with uh, Scott and Pumphrey. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. um, I don't know what you can make of all this right now before the first preseason game is even played, but those things are going to move around. You know, some guys are banged up and aren't really ready to play yet. And uh, I'll be shocked if Pumphrey's on the roster, to be honest. So we'll see. Um, We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. They have the game tomorrow night. They have the game, I guess, in Jacksonville next week. So maybe we'll see a little Nick Foles action. That'll be fun. But I'm not going to read too much into the depth charts as they stand right now on August 7th. Well, the, the other one I wanted to point out to you is that Ryan Bates, who is a guest of Philly Press Box Radio and uh, yes. a local guy, is is listed as the third team tackle right now behind Jason Peters and Andre Dillard. Uh, if, even if Bates could land on the practice squad, that would be good. Yeah, that really would. And uh, I'm pulling for him. I think he's, he's going to make the practice squad. I just have a hunch. And speaking of Ryan Bates, uh, uh, I was going to say Comcast Sportsnet because that's what it's always been called, but it's NBC Sports Philly these days did a nice piece on Jason Kelsey and all the other bearded white guys on the Eagles who get mistaken for Kelsey last week. It was pretty funny, and Ryan Bates was one of the guys that says, yeah, he goes out in public. People think it's Jason Kelsey. No, no kidding. And congratulations <laughs> to Jason Kelsey as his wife uh, showed a picture uh, on Facebook, and <laughs> they are expecting a child, and that's good. 62 did it. Yeah, I love the picture. She's wearing the top that has uh, the arrow pointing to the stomach. 62 did this. And one of, the things from the did link, one of the things from the link the other night, the cheerleaders looked great. Mid-season. Well, four. there you go. Hey, Ted, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a fearless forecast for you. The surprise guy that's going to make this team, okay, 
You may not have ever heard of him, especially if you were sleeping at practice the other day. Carlton Agudasi. He's wearing number 14. He's a wide receiver. He's six foot six, 220 pounds out of Rutgers. Watch yeah, him. Now, to be honest, I didn't notice him when I was at the practice, but then I, too, rewatched uh, some of what NBC Sports Philly showed because I taped the whole two-hour presentation, and they were pretty high on him. Ray Diddy said the guy's got a lot of potential, but the problem is the numbers game, you know, because there's four guys who are locks as receivers, and then you get into the, you know, the Mac Hollins and uh, some of the other guys who are fighting for jobs like Shelton Gibson. So he's got a tough road to make the team because there's so many guys in front of him, but that would be great to see this kid from Rutgers who looks good, you know, and he's, he's tall, right? He's like 6'5". 6'6", six, six. yep. There's, six, a, there's yeah, okay. a place for a guy who's 6'6 six, six and can catch the, the, the high ball. You know, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a spot for him. Well, let's pull for him. I'd love to see him and Bates make the squad. That would be great. Yeah, that's right. One other one I was going to point out is uh, that Penn State Sharif Miller is on the depth chart, but he's back there. Uh, he's going to have a tough road, though, oh, unless he can make the practice squad, too. He's listed right now as the third defensive end behind Derek Barnett and Vinnie Curry. Uh, Miller's a good player, a good college player. It would be interesting to see how this plays out with him. Yeah, um, we'll have to watch and see how much playing time he gets during the preseason and how he does because I don't really hear much of you know what the assessment is of him at practice. So he's going to have to make a name for himself when he gets into these preseason games, I would think. Yeah, Well, and, the, and then the last thing is this linebacker situation, Grugier Hill, Looks like he's banged up. Uh, we don't know how serious that is. Bradham is banged up. And Zach Brown is listed as the outside linebacker starter. Those are three starters. Two of them are banged up. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've talked about it for a couple of years, and they've been able to pull it off. But, boy, it seems like they, they need more depth there, quality depth. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bradham will be back, and Zach Brown should be good to go. But, yeah, Grugier Hill, I think, is going to be out and miss the beginning of the season. Um, Connor Barwin says he's ready to step in there and help out. If they need to bring him back, he could play a little linebacker as well as a defensive end. So he's available if they want him. Yep. Hey, one last thing on the ex-Eagles, the old Eagles. Uh, what did you think? I'm sure you saw it where Deion Sanders posting, uh, posting up that Eric Allen needs to be sent to Canton next year. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's great. And I'm going to actually mention that as part of my parting shot. So stay tuned. All right. Well, well, then we won't go into that any further. <laughs> All right. So, hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? That sounds like you. You need to talk to Dave Avoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. Yeah, for sure, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal. Then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust, and we have just that someone. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, Pennsylvania at 610-430-0700 and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoy at Allstate, 610-430-0700. <laughs> All right, Chet. As you know, I was in Chicago last week when we did the show, and uh, I have a great story for you. It's going to be, at least for me, it's one of those memorable ones. But unlike you, it is not photo-documented. 
Well, well, you did post a picture of you with Mariano Rivera, so I was uh, I was envious of that, by the way. So I was hoping that you were going to surprise me and tell me that he's going to be on our show soon, but I guess that's not the case. Uh, well, uh, I'll start out with the Rivera because that was an easy one, but that's not the that's not the story. <laughs> so Rivera is at the show, and he has signed an autographs for an, a tremendous amount of money, crazy money, and I'm sure. like three hundred dollars an autograph or something crazy. Yeah. And yep. you could also have a photo op with him for whatever it was, $300 or something like that. So he was one of the last signers, and I, wa- I was walking towards the back area uh, to pick up some stuff, and there's Mariano Rivera and about six of his family Uh-oh. members selling T-shirts. And there are 42 <laughs> T-shirts, and they're apparently for his church. And you could go buy the T-shirt and get a photo with Mariano. So that's what we did. We bought a T-shirt, and that's how we got that picture. Well, the people, many people just spent a ton of money to get pictures with Mariano that I would just soon have the picture that I had. Yeah. Uh, and then took a T-shirt away with it as well. That's not bad. How much was the T-shirt? It was 40 bucks to do the whole thing. And it went That's to his church. Bad. That's not bad. I mean, you're getting a T-shirt, and you got to say hello to Mariano Rivera, and you got a nice picture with him. So yep. that's money Shook well hands spent. with him, and, uh, you know, the whole deal was a very friendly experience. And, uh, you know, it was not, uh, what do you want to call it, it was not the formality of how they push you through at shows a lot of times. Yeah, you know, even though they're Yankees, I, I got to say, I did like uh, Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera, of course. How can you dislike Mariano Rivera? Rivera is just a good guy. Jeter, yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see. But the thing <laughs> I was surprised about with Rivera is he is not near as big as I thought he was. Oh, really? He, he's thin, uh, really athletic. Looks like he could pitch today and probably could pitch better than most of oh, the Phillies staff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he looked great. But, hey, on to my story. So I go yeah. to the back room, and I see my buddy Joe, who I'm going back there to pick something up from. And I'm talking to Joe, and I look over, and Chet, I swear, is five foot from me, Jerry Kramer. Jerry oh, Kramer. Wow. <laughs> sitting there in a wheelchair by himself, waiting for somebody to tell him what he was supposed to do next. One of you. So heroes. I said, so, uh, yeah, so I said, Joe. I said, man, I hate to say it, but that is my favorite football player of all time right there, Jerry Kramer. Wow. He said, well, come on. So we walk over, and he, and Joe says, hey, Jerry, this is my friend Bill. I proceed to have a one-on-one, 10-minute conversation with Jerry Kramer talking about how I read his book in the seventh grade to talking about Vince Lombardi to talking about how uh, Jerry told me, uh, you know, I told him, I said, I read your book in the seventh grade, and it, and it really – you became my favorite player. I said, I feel funny saying that because I'm old now. And he said how much he appreciated that. And he said, and I'll tell you something else. He said, this guy is a really humble guy. He says, uh, Bill Polian, who's also a Hall of Famer, told him in Canton that Jerry had changed his life when he read his book. He said, and I thought about that for a long time, and I thought, man, what a heavy load. You know, what a heavy load to have on your life, he said. But then I thought about it, and he says, I was just Coach Lombardi's messenger. 
It was Coach Lombardi that changed people's lives. So anyway, we had about a 10-minute conversation that was just absolutely fantastic and one I will never forget. Unfortunately, Joe ran off, and uh, I wasn't able to get a picture with Jerry, but oh. it was certainly a fun, fun thing to do. Oh, it's a shame you didn't get a picture, but you will have that memory of that uh, conversation with him forever. Yep, yep. It was it was really cool. Of, of anybody that I would have liked to have been able to talk to like that, Jerry was probably that guy. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad you finally got to meet him because I know how you felt about him because you've talked about him on – our show, a Philly sports show, you've talked about Jerry Kramer at least four or five times over the last five years. Well, and, and I actually told him that uh, we had talked with Ray about him. And, of course, he knows Ray. And, yeah. uh, oh, Ray, Ray's a good man, he said. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I, cer- I certainly enjoyed enjoyed doing it and kind of just fell, fell into it. He was sitting right there, not, you know, right next to me, basically. Well, when we have Ray on again, as we will soon, you can uh, be assured of that. Make sure you tell him about your meeting with Jerry Kramer. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was my story. I got a couple more, but I'll hold them for another time. Nice. Hey, Chet, we didn't talk to Bob about this with the Phillies, but I have to ask your thoughts on this MLB Players Weekend and nickname jerseys. What <laughs> is this all about? Is it play weekend or what? What's What's going on? Well, you know the deal. Uh, they've done it for two or three years now. I think this is the third or fourth year. And it's going to be the weekend of the 23rd through the 25th this year, by the way. Not this weekend. The 23rd through 25th. Um, and I have no problem with it. It's a bit goofy. It's fun for the players, though, I guess. Some of the nicknames aren't bad. You know, Nap Time, V2 for Velasquez. Some are kind of plain. Piv for Pavetta. Knowles for Nola. That's as creative as you can get. Come on. Uh, what the heck does PSJ mean for Roman Quinn? Do you have any idea? Because I don't. I have no idea, but I did like jetpacks. Yeah, well, that's uh, what, what his nickname is, so that makes sense. Right. Um, uh, Moosh for Mike Morin. People How about Sean Rodriguez Chi-Chi? How creative is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the golfer. I got it. El Mambo, Gene Segura. That's uh, different. But, uh, and and that time. Mean, yeah, I love nap time. That's probably my favorite. I mentioned that last year, as a matter of fact, because he had the same one last year. So it's goofy, but, you know, they've been doing it for a few years now. I guess it's fun for the players. Um, I don't know. It is what it is, Bill. Well, I think it's goofy. If it's the third year, it's the third goofy year. If it's four years, it's the fourth goofy yeah. year. Just go play. I'm not here to see you have stupid nicknames on your back. Just play and win the game. We knew Ariette would be Snake, because that's what he's called. Uh, Eflin, F, Bryce Harper, Harp. Come on, that's as creative as you can get, guys. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I just thought we'd bring that up, because uh, how about Compa N? What? I don't know what Compa means, but I have Hector no Norris, idea. Compa N. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's probably uh, a Latin thing that it just over my head. I don't know. Over my head too, but I, I don't. I don't get the whole thing, you know. But uh, and, and honestly, I'm I'm not much of a fan of it. Unless and they they're all wearing all new uniforms too. So I oh, would okay. I would yeah. put it this way, Chet. Unless they are using those uniforms to raise money or do something, uh, auction them off for some sort of charity, then then I'm in. But other than that, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Enough. All right. 
All right. Hey, Chet, I wanted to say the Flyers schedule is out, and it includes 20 national TV games, including the season opener against that Wayne Simmons and the New Jersey Devils. How awful does that sound? I am really, really interested to see how this season is going to play out for the Orange and Black and the fan reaction that's going to go with it. Well, I'm sorry, Bill, but I can't discuss hockey until January. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, they made a lot of changes. They'll be expecting all of the young guys to continue to develop. And, of course, we're all hoping to see how Carter Hart does. We're hoping to see him do well as he goes into the season as the starting goalie and a guy we hope will be there between the pipes for the next 10 or 12 years. So it's going to be fun to watch this team. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of excitement right away other than for Carter Hart. I think they left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths with the way last season ended and then the whole Kate Smith thing, of course. So uh, I think even some of the diehard fans are kind of taking a wait-and-see approach this year. But, uh, you know, they'll be hitting the the rink, I guess, in mid-September for camp and then start playing soon after that exhibition games. Yeah, I, well, October 9th is their season opener, which yeah. is two two months away. Uh, be here before you know it, and they say I, I'm I'm winning cures all. You know the fans will forget some of the other things if they can if they can win games and be a contender. But I think uh, seats are going to be cheap at yeah. the at the well the first three months. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think they had a little trouble selling some of the seats last year, and unless they get on a roll early this year, I think you're going to see some seats, and you can probably get some $15, $20 seats on StubHub if they don't start off well, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. I, I just The fan reaction, I just feel like it's going to be different, different negatively than we've ever seen in Philadelphia. I mean, there's some bad things that have happened. Strikes have happened. The fans have bounced back. Uh, I'm not so sure with hockey. Uh, again, winning cures all, though. Yeah, hockey fans are generally pretty faithful, the diehard fans anyway. But all the people on the fence, I think, really got turned off by some of the moves the Flyers made last year and then the whole Kate Smith thing. Uh, I know some people weren't happy even with the Kevin Hayes acquisition so Flyers fans are, like I said, going to take a wait-and-see approach this year, I think, and it might be until you know November or December until some of them come around. And, again, that's only if they're winning. That's right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, we are going to order our Philly Press Box shirts. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. We're actually going to pull the trigger and place this order tomorrow. So hopefully by the time we get to uh, – the Irish Rover, hopefully we're going to have some green, uh, black, and gray shirts to go for football season, along with the last couple red and blacks and grays that we have from baseball season, and we'll have a whole new batch of shirts. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to uh, see them in person. I've seen some of the pictures that you sent my way, but let's get them ordered and hopefully have them available within a couple of weeks, if you know what I'm saying. I'm hoping so. Hope they make the, the RV trip north. That's all I can say. Hey, and Chet, you know, if anyone's interested in joining us as a sponsor, uh, we we need to do that. We can add their logos to the shirts, just like we have uh, the sponsors, uh, Allstate, Irish Rover, Bob Sullivan, and um, the Razroom, and we can put them on the shirt. Put them on the back. Uh, the sponsors are on the back. The logo, of course, on the front. 
And just like last time around, we will have the regular material and dry fit also, which you Florida guys seem to like. That's right. And, you know, <laughs> it's uh, the Mariano Rivera shirt. Of course, I had all my Philly Press Box radio shirt representing well. I saw well. that. I saw all that. Right. Well, hey, Chad, tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box radio next week. Next week, Bill, it is the return of a guy who's been with us 10 or 11 times in the past. But believe it or not, it's been 10 and a half months since his last visit. He covers the entire Philly sports scene as a columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times and a couple other affiliated newspapers. It's our old pal Tom Moore returning. So looking forward to talking to Tom next week. And, Bill, before we continue, we have to squeeze in another commercial break right here. Uh, The Time Machine takes us back to 1988 for this one. This week only, there's one place where you can find every TV, every VCR, every stereo, and every microwave on sale. And that place is Silo. It's Silo's Everything on Sale sale. Now, you don't have to shop around. Because at Silo's Everything on Sale sale, you'll find a huge selection and you'll find it all on sale. It's Silo's Everything on Sale sale. Hurry before time runs out. Silo is having a sale. <laughs> Hurry before time runs out. Unfortunately, time did run out for Silo a few years, a few years later. They disappeared around 1994, I think. Oh, good stuff. Good, good, good throwback. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, and, and speaking of Tom, uh, you know, and you said he hasn't been around uh, on the show for quite some time. I'm looking forward to getting his take on the Sixers. Yeah, uh, Tom's a columnist now for the newspapers, so he covers all the teams, and he's known for his Sixers coverage, of course, but now he writes columns about the Phillies, about the Eagles, even the Flyers occasionally. So Tom can talk about all of it, but definitely we will get his take on the Sixers for sure. Yeah, he's always tuned into them. He does a great job with with everything he does, but he's always tuned into the Sixers. Yes, sir. Wait, Chad, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out the Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118RASROOM. That's right. PPCC118RASROOM on Facebook. And, hey, Chad, I can tell you right now there's uh, a couple fundraiser posts up there uh, to to raise some money to help some families that are having some problems and uh so there's actually two different ones posted right now, and uh, they're loaded with Penn State items, and uh, there's some Brian Dawkins stuff up there for the Eagles fans and a few other things. So uh, go over and take a look at that, and maybe you can help a good cause and win a good prize. Yeah, I was going to mention, I saw that you guys were doing a nice Raz for a family in need this week, and that is pretty cool. So uh, even though you're getting something great, a nice product, you're also helping a family in need, which is a pretty cool thing. Yep. yep. This is about the sixth or seventh one, so it's gone very well, and uh, we've been able to uh, give some decent amount of money to some people through these fundraisers. So uh, we're going to keep doing it. People, A lot of people have stuff out there, Chet, you know, and uh, – Every little bit helps. Medical costs and medicines are just astronomical, as we all know, and uh, any little bit we could do to help, we're trying to do it. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right. 
What else do you have? Anything before we hit our parting shots? Are you ready to put it away? A couple of things. Uh, first of all, I don't know if you know, Bill, but the Philadelphia Soul are returning to the Arena Bowl. Uh, I think this is the sixth time that they're uh, playing for the crown in the Arena League, which is only six teams this year. They were down to four teams last year. Now they're back up to six. So it'll be the Philadelphia Soul playing at Albany, the Albany Empire. They'll be playing this Sunday for the Arena Bowl title. So good luck to Jaws and all his crew at the Philadelphia Soul. That's one thing. Another thing we want to mention, Bill, and you might have mentioned this too uh, if I asked you, but you, you saw the news. Tony Taylor was at Carl's last Saturday, then part of the weekend celebration at uh, Philly's ballpark, Citizens Bank Park, for Wall of Fame weekend. He's one of the old Wall of Famers, and he suffered a stroke last Saturday night after the ceremony. So he's he was still in the hospital as of today, I believe. They were hoping to release him today, but he's not able to uh, fly for a while, so they were going to drive back to, I guess, Florida, where he's living these days, and uh, if he's cleared. So we want to wish the very best to Tony Taylor, just a great guy and an old Fan favorite of all Phillies fans from the 60s and 70s. Get well, Tony Taylor. Yeah, and I was actually, uh, that wasn't part of my parting shot, but I was going to mention that as well. And also, just the uh, the overall Wall of Fame weekend, again, looked like a fun time. Or, or not the Wall of Fame weekend, the uh, reunion weekend. Yep. Looked like a lot of fun and that the guys had a good time. And Jason Worth put a shot on the Fanatic. <laughs> I saw that. You gotta love Jason Worth, man. He's, uh, you know, he was hated for a while when he left, took the money down to Washington, but he's back in good graces with the Phillies fans now, and that's great to see. And yeah, a lot, a lot of people came back for the weekend, including Chase Utley and J. Roll, and J. Roll getting honored in Reading baseball town last night in their Hall of Fame. So good for J. Roll. Like you said, a great weekend. And Bobby Abreu, you know, has taken a lot of abuse from Phillies fans for, you know, maybe not being deserving, but he was a darn good player. I think he was right around 300 for his career and basically seemed like a good guy as well. So congrats to Bobby Abreu. I think it is a deserving honor. Oh, I, I think he's absolutely a deserving honor. Uh, you're right. I, I believe it's actually 303, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, not too many guys could put up the numbers that Bobby Abreu put up, and uh, he certainly, certainly belongs on that wall. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was a time, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s when they weren't winning just yet. He left the Phils, I guess, right before they started winning in 05, 06, 07. So good for Bobby Abreu, and he seemed to really enjoy it. He was just all smiles all weekend when you, you saw him being interviewed on TV and in all the clips. He was really happy about it, so good for him. Okay, Chad, I have to ask you one other thing. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Your boy Vinny V. Vinny V comes out and throws another gem. What what do we make of what Vinny has done in his last seven games? All right, he's two and two with a three six eight. Three six eight's pretty impressive. In his last fifteen games, he's got a three nine four. Um, Vinny is not pitching bad baseball right now, Chet. Let me tell you, I've been really hard on Vinny V, as you know, for the last couple of years. I think it was about two months ago. I said I've seen enough. I don't want to see him in rotation again. Well, he came back, and he does this occasionally. He'll tease you with some good efforts, and I hope it sticks around this time because, yeah, he has been good the last few times out there, and it was almost like 
Haley's Comet the other night. He pitched seven innings, which is pretty much as rare as Haley's Comet. So I was very impressed. <laughs> and what he did last Friday night was also pretty impressive. I stayed up and watched that 15-inning game. He played two innings in left field, and you probably saw the plays. He made three great plays in two innings out there. Um, in two cases, he threw a guy out of the plate on one instance. He was just late with the throw the other time, but he threw a rocket there. And then to end one of the innings, he raced in and made a, a diving catch. So Vinny is more than a pitcher. He is an athlete, and that was very impressive. But as far as the pitching, that's his main job. And, yeah, it's great to see him doing a little better the last several times out. If he can give them six or seven innings again, you know, in the next several starts, they could be a legitimate wild card contender. And he can hit. Well, I don't know about that. He'll get a hit occasionally. He is a good athlete. Well, but... compared to the hitter, the way hitters or pitchers hit, he can hit. Yeah, he's always he's in that okay. eight spot ahead of that Roman Quinn anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Roman's got a few hits lately. Um, yes, but, he does. Uh, I'm glad to see you. Vinny, I apologize. If you're listening, I apologize for my treatment of you. Now keep up the good work. Well, I, I heard a rumor that he was listening because they're getting ready for their game out in Arizona, and I am sure that he is happy that you are on board. <laughs> All right, Vinny, we look forward to another great start from you next time out. Parting All shot, right, man. sir. Parting shot. Let's get to it. Yeah, Bill, the upcoming NFL season is the NFL's 100th. In connection with the centennial celebration, the Pro Football Hall of Fame class will be expanded greatly. Word is it'll induct as many as 20 new members next year. Now, we've talked about it before, but there are a few ex-Eagles who absolutely belong in the hall, and I'm really hoping that they'll be strongly considered next year in this expanded class. I'm talking about Seth Joyner. I'm talking about Eric Allen and Harold Carmichael. All are deserving, but for whatever reason, they've never gotten the attention from voters that they deserve. And, hey, as you said, Bill, Neon Dion is even campaigning for Eric Allen right now. So hopefully the expanded 2020 class will give Eric, Seth, and Harold a better chance at having a bust unveiled in Ken. We will see soon enough. A lot of good players still out there that aren't in, that's for sure. And one last thing, I started started watching um, Hard Knocks last night on HBO because it's about the Raiders and John Gruden and company this year. Wasn't a great first episode, but boy, John Gruden curses a lot. And uh, <laughs> I think it, it's <laughs> going to pick do. up as, yeah, as we see more players, you know, getting cut and, uh, you know, not being up to snuff. I think it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks and uh, hard knocks. On HBO. Watch it. All right. And with that, we've reached the top of the hour. We'd like to thank tonight's special guest, Bob Brookover, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chetchesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 14th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.